You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com Welcome to Morph Mom Moments for a second time tonight. Uh, we were just on at 5 o'clock, east, uh, and now we're on again at 7 o'clock. It's a very exciting night for Morph Mom Moments. A special day, a special time. Um, and what's very exciting is that I'm on tonight with two spectacular guests. My first guest is Monica Ferguson, who's the co-founder of Soulmates. And at about 7.30, we're going to have my second guest, where Monica will be my co-host, Patty Whipler. The, new, uh, the author of the new parenting book, Listen, Five Simple Tools, and Meet Your Everyday Parenting Challenges. Um, so let me begin with Monica. And, and by the way, for those of you who tuned in, thank you. Thank you for coming back to Morph Mom Moments. For those of you who are new, thank you for joining Morph Mom Moments. And a very, very, very quick intro. My name is Kathleen Smith. I founded Morph Mom, uh, M-O-R-P-H, M-O-M.com. Four years ago, it's a website 
it's cl- we have classes, we have cocktail parties around the country, we have a radio show, and our basic idea is to connect women um, as much as we can on any level we need to do to pay it forward, to tell people how we got to where we are, and that's what leads me to Monica Fer- Ferguson, my co-host tonight, and again, fa- co-founder of The Soulmates. Welcome, Monica. Thank you, Kathleen. I'm so happy to be here. I'm thrilled that you're here. So, Monica, tell everyone out there what it is that you do. So, I invented a product that prevents high heels from sinking into the grass. A really common problem every woman has experienced from going to a prom, to a wedding, to a graduation, or walking down a city street with bricks and cobblestones and subway grates. Stilettos were perpetually getting damaged, getting stuck, and causing undue stress in moments where you don't want to be thinking about your shoes sinking into grass or getting stuck. So with a friend, we invented a small product called the Soulmate High Healer that by increasing the surface area on the bottom of a heel, dissipates the pressure and protects your heel. And the best part is, how much does a Soulmate cost? It costs $10. It's like a little tiny insurance policy for a great pair of shoes. And lasts forever and ever. It lasts for several wears. Yeah. We, we don't want them to last forever and ever and ever. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's understandable. Now, let's go back to what you did prior to having this idea and yeah. starting this company well, and how this all began. It was a really natural progression. <laughs> I worked on a bond desk. <laughs> um, I, my business partner and I had both worked in finance. We both worked at Goldman Sachs. Uh, we met really right out of college in their training program. I worked in wealth management and then in fixed income building municipal bond portfolios. And then I went to graduate school at Columbia and went back to Goldman to return to investment management. And going back was great. I committed to it while at school, but I'd also sort of, you know, opened my mind to a lot more, a lot, I'd opened my mind to many other things while at school. And so I decided that I should try this out and see, you know, if we could make something of it. And my favorite story is how this even came about, how you found out about this idea and how you pursued it. So I was sitting next to my business partner in a class called Entrepreneurial Finance, and we had to write a business plan in order to, you know, pass the class or take a final. And God knows I don't want to take the final (laughs) in class. So I turned to her and was like, geez, do you have any business ideas? Because I have none. And she had so many. And the one that piqued my interest was, why are heels, why is there nothing to prevent heels from getting ruined when you go to an outdoor wedding? And so at that moment, I had, you know, a flash into my own closet and seeing all of the shoes I'd worn to all the weddings I'd attended just that year and thinking about how gross and damaged they were and how it was too expensive to replace them. So you just kind of wear a pair of beaten up ugly shoes or beaten up shoes that become ugly um, because of the environments in which you're forced to wear them. And Becca, my business partner, it was actually her idea from her senior prom. She was taking pictures on the lawn, a memory everyone can relate to. And she stood on the grass. It was her one of her earliest experiences wearing high heels and sunk right in. And I think she looked at her parents kind of like, or her mother, her mother especially was kind of like, no, this can't, this cannot be the way. But that was the way. And what's fascinating is, and inspirational to every morph mom out there, you took this idea and you ran with it. Yeah. So we quit our jobs um, in the throes of, you know, drive and naivete. Um, We just thought we were at a point where we needed to see if we could make this happen. And we did consult with some of our mentors at Goldman, and they were so supportive of it. Um, The language used was, listen, we're an entrepreneurial firm. 
how can we not support other entrepreneurs? And so, you know, with their blessing and with the promise that if things that did blow up, we could come back, we left. Um, it was a pretty great way to go. And we were re- pretty lucky, I think, that we'd worked there. Obviously, because we'd worked there before, we'd great relationships and good, good-ish, I hope, reputations that we could um, have com- candid conversations like that. Um, we didn't feel right working too much on the company while still employed by them. Looking back on it, um, we probably could have put in another like couple of years before we actually <laughs> set out, just based on how long it actually takes to get it going. But I think um, from like an ethics perspective, we did the right thing. Now, so for those of you listening out there, and again, this is the absolute example of what Morph Moms do. You know, you have an idea, but now what? Yeah. Like, where do you go? What's the next step? How do you begin? So what do you do? You have this idea, and now what? You know, we began by talking to as many people as we could and sort of asking them, you know, how do you invent something? Like, And so we, we met, you know an array of total oddballs and really interesting people and kind of pick their brains and sort of see like, this is a good introduction. This is not one, but you take every meeting and you take every referral that someone will offer to you. Just, you never know where it may lead. You never know what tiny tidbit someone may say that could lead to a better opportunity. Um, In fact, I think it was a, a, a meeting we took with an operations professor at Columbia where he said something about supply chain management and he used some term that was just like a, a great management term. And later on we were speaking with um, a retired finance guy who would become an investor. And he asked a question and I literally paraphrased the professor's advice that he'd given us, you know, months earlier or years earlier. And he looked at me and was like, great answer. <laughs> like that's like, like, kind of like I nailed it. Like I got the quiz right. Um, and it was a, we kind of looked at each other because Becca and I both knew where, where the language had come from. And we were just like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> My expertise, uh, supply chain management. Um, of course, it actually has become part of my expertise, supply chain management, <laughs> um, as well as all sorts of strange things I never thought I would have to become an expert in. Um, but how to really get started, you know, we were asking a lot of people. We stumbled upon some websites where you could find mechanical engineers. We knew someone had to design the product and we knew it had to be a mechanical engineer. Google became sort of our third business mm-hmm. partner. And through the various websites, we found a mechanical engineer. We found, you know, dozens of them. We went around and met with them. Um, we told them what we were doing. We, of course, received various levels of disinterest and looks like you, you're crazy. A lot of people referring to us as, oh, girls, you know, that's like good, you know, good for you. Like, go run, go run along now um, to total creeps. Um <laughs> But ultimately, we met this amazing man who was is brilliant and loved the idea and designed it and was just, just continues to be like a great friend to us. And we've sent him, you know, business to the extent that we can, but he's super successful on his own. He certainly doesn't need our referrals. Um, and from him, we found a short-term injection molder, a temporary molder that could actually test out the concept he'd drawn. Um, And then we found injection molders. Again, a friend of mine who worked in banking gave us a list of the top 100 injection molders in North America. And so we called them um, one by one and again, received various levels of, you know, disinterest (laughs) and mockery. Um, But around like, you know, number 91, 92, 93, (laughs) they were somewhat interested, but but would refer to someone else who was a little bit more our size, like Rubbermaid was not really an appropriate customer (laughs) for soulmates. Um, So... 
again, like cold calling referrals, just, you know, keeping our eyes and ears open. And as you're doing this, like, um, are you, is there revenue coming in at this point or is it purely your, no, it's self-funded for a really long time. Um, because you, you know, you have nothing to sell. Um, and ultimately, you know, we were sort of in a race against time because we just wanted it to happen. And we figured, like, you know, if we set our minds to it, this will take off. Um, and so we probably, we launched a website, you know, within seven months of quitting our jobs, actually within like, within five, which is nuts when you think about it, that we actually invented the product, had it designed, had it manufactured, had a website put up and had packaging in quotes created for this is too quick of a time. Like we did it so fast that we should probably have taken two to three, two years to get it really right. Um, just to get the packaging right, to get the website right, to get everything perfect. And, you know, that's the hindsight that I can say now. I, if someone had told me you'd take two years to get this done, I would have been like, well, then I can never do it. Like that just, <laughs> that just seems ridiculous. Um, but we, we did, we did it really quickly because we wanted to see revenues come in and they did. Um, from the moment we switched the website on the first day, you know, we emailed our closest 500 friends, told them it was live. They were awesome and went on and bought products. But within the first few hours, we saw names we didn't know. Um, and within the first few days, we we're getting, you know, emails from bloggers and small boutiques asking about, you know, what our case pack size was and like what samples we could send. And again, having finance backgrounds, when people asked us, you know, what is your case pack size? My answer was, you know, what's a case pack? <laughs> um, so there's a lot of vocabulary. It was a really steep learning curve. Um, looking back in some of the early meetings that we sort of forced, I can't believe people were as kind to us as they were. A meeting with a head buyer from Neiman Marcus with, you know, a one-page Word document with, like, graphics we designed ourselves and, and no actual product, but just a sort of conviction that we were going to do this. And she could not have been more gracious. I was like, that's very interesting. Like, Okay, I don't think it's right right now for us, but let's see like a level of respect that we didn't deserve, and we were grateful for things like that too and looking back when you said you know maybe it should have taken longer in retrospect, um is there something you would have changed looking back uh, other than maybe the timeline? Is there anything else you would have changed? Um, you know, we for those listening in and trying to figure out how they would approach this I guess for us like it was so it's so challenging because we had an invention. So we had a product that didn't exist. Um, and we had to not only introduce people to it, but remind them they had this problem that we could now solve. And so there was sort of a big binary um, proposition that either people were going to buy it or they wouldn't. So the idea that we could have created a bigger line of products off the cuff and had a more polished website and a bigger presence, it would have been such a big risk. So I have, again, the hindsight, I have the hindsight now knowing that the product was going to take off and going to work and people were going to buy it. Um, back then, we really didn't know. And so I would have loved to have launched with more products and more everything and a bigger presence, but I don't know that we had um, the money or really like the the 100% assurance that it was going to be as successful as it was. So again, with those listening today, again, I'm sitting here with Monica Ferguson, co-founder of The Soulmates. Um, and we're talking about taking an idea and making it happen. Taking something that does not exist and making it exist. It's, it's just a, it's a terrifying endeavor, but something that it's such a, it's so exemplary to all of us out there that you can do it. You yeah. just have to try and try and try and you can do it. Yeah. You could do it. I mean, the fact that we could do it within a few months 
anyone can do it like that. I mean, that's, that is a great takeaway. Like if I can do it, literally anyone can do it. It just takes like a lot of follow up and a lot of asking of questions. And we did not have a lot of money to do this. Like it was not like we had these like deep pockets. And I think people have made a lot of assumptions about how we got off the ground. Um, it was being really organized and really disciplined and saying no to a lot of opportunities or a lot of opportunities that involved too much money. And a great line Becca used very early on, because I was like, oh, well, you know, I think we should do this. And if we pay this person, they'll give us this publicity. And she was just like, I think that there's always an opportunity to spend money. And I think we need to just like, you know, rein in those. I mean, it may seem so obvious now, but like we, we can't say yes to everything. And yes, that packaging company sounds amazing, but we cannot spend, you know, X thousands of dollars on an idea when we can just put this in a drawstring bag and sell it off our website to begin with because we, we couldn't invest in more than that at the time. And, and that actually leads me to the benefit of working with a partner. Yeah. Yeah. Having a partner has been paramount for me. And I think she would say the same thing. Um, it's so hard in the beginning when you're trying to make progress on an idea and a business. And every day, uh, like, you know, a friend or a spouse or a parent may ask you, so like what, what's going on today? Like what happened? And you, you can't really articulate what happened because it's like, oh my gosh, that injection molder like emailed me back and <laughs> it is a great victory <laughs> and no one can totally get that. Or, oh my gosh, we found a material with the ideal durometer. Like <laughs> it's hard for people to share that enthusiasm. And so having a business partner who knows exactly what's going on, it just provides a level of emotional support that really no one else possibly could. And the ups and the downs, right? So you yeah. can share the ups yeah. and mean, then the downs of the day as well. Totally. I mean, to some degree, everyone wants to share the ups. Like, right. <laughs> you can, I mean, it's like everyone wants to come to the party. No one, no one really wants to clean up. So like it, the downs are the places where you really need the support because um, the ups are just like so awesome. So let's talk about some of the ups. So we talked about a few, you know, yeah. tell me about a few of the ups as you went along. Um. Well, I think one of the greatest endorsements we got very early on was sort of the result of what's well, a lot. Oprah endorsed the product. Um, she wore it. She loved it. She talked about it in her magazine. Gail interviewed Becca for the radio. It was a huge boom for us. Um, and that came about partially because I think Real Simple gave us great press and we were so excited. And I sent the link to my old boss at Goldman, who I adored. And her response was, that's great. What about Oprah? And it was, and that kind of, um, like management, I guess I'd say, like, I really appreciate it. Cause it was like, well, that's great, but what's next? And like the sort of like, that's great, but what's next attitude has helped us grow the company too. Like, you know, we get into DSW, that's awesome, but we're still not in Nordstrom. Now we're in Nordstrom. Like what's next? Like, how do you, like, make it better? You can't just, like, you know, be like, Rest on your laurels at the yeah, same time. because, right. you know, the moment it happens, it's over. Um, but the reason it happened, actually, with Oprah is because after my former boss gave me that feedback, which, you know, which I was kind of like a typical, um, <laughs> Becca said, you know, I'm, I live right near the Hearst building. I think she, I think Oprah's Hearst publica publication. Um, she, uh, she was like, I know that their favorite pizza is X. Um, let me drop off a press kit with a pizza today, like that day. And that was a Friday and she did it. And Monday morning, she got the phone call from Gail 
who had been at a wedding over the weekend with Oprah. Soulmates had been handed out by a wedding planner that had bought them off our website, with, like unbeknownst to us. And she walked into the office. I guess the office had loved the pizza, so they made sure the press kit was on the desk. And I'm giving away all of our trade secrets. <laughs> right. And uh, she said that flying home, they were talking about the product, how much they liked it. But the moment she walked into the office, she was like, what was that called again? What, like, was escaped her mind. And she walked into her de- walked into her office, looked at her desk, sees our brand, recognizes like the branding, and was like, "This is incredible! This is the law of attraction." And so she called Becca on her cell phone, and she was just like, "Becca Brown, <laughs> is this Becca Brown?" And Becca was, you know, in a windy part of the city, and was kind of like, "Yeah." yeah. <laughs> um, she was like, "How are you, Becca Brown?" And, and Becca was sort of like, "Who is this?" Like, and I was on the verge of hanging up, but the na- the voice sounded kind of familiar. And she was like, Becca Brown, this is Gail King. And she was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) Hey. Like, ran into, like, an alleyway. Like, blocked the wind and was, like, totally present for her. Um, But it was so cool. And so, and such an awesome example of, you know, don't just, like, write out this. I mean, Real Simple is a great magazine and we love them. But it was, you cannot just, like, be satisfied with that one bump. You've got to keep going. And it's so difficult sometimes to keep going and keep going. Yeah, it's exhausting. Like it's it's physically exhausting, and it's uh, it can be intellectually exhausting. Um, and you're but you're always sort of open. You have to sort of always be open to new ideas to kind of keep things growing. But it's definitely one of the big challenges, especially now because now we're sort of we're established ish. Like we're we're out there in three thousand stores in this country. We have a really big presence on our own website and Amazon. Um, and Zappos. But what's next? Like, how do you keep it going? And like, where does the growth come from? And the, I mean, it was so exciting inventing and launching and bringing a product into the market. But we've done that now. And so now what? Well, I also want to throw in that you have many other products as yes. well. Yeah. And it's funny because I just am completely the biggest fan of the Soulmates. And for those of you joining us tonight, welcome on this off night on a Tuesday night, our second show of an off night on Tuesday night, <laughs> sitting here with Monica Ferguson from the Soulmates. Um, and such an honor to be doing so. I am their biggest fan. Um, but they have invented, they brought an idea to fruition. They brought the Soulmates to fruition. But along with that came many other things as well. Yeah. And one of them came when I went to their office one night and I was looking at their heels and I at five feet tall, should be wearing heels, but I can't even walk in heels. So I'm not the best with that part of it. But they had a spray and the spray was to freshen shoes. And with three kids, two boys who were hockey players, when I saw that spray that you could spray in a shoe and take out the horrific odor, I was sold. I was there. So so there are many more products that you guys have as well. Yes. So subsequent to launching the, the high heel protector, a lot of stores were saying to us, what else? Like customers are coming in to buy your product, but this is just one product. We need more. The more you have, the more they'll buy, we think. And so we were like, all right, well, what do people want? Like, what what do we want? Uh, So we invented or we brought to market. We didn't invent, but we refined a formula to make a blister blocking balm that you rub on your feet so you don't get blisters, Um, which is amazing, especially for new shoes or switching between shoes. It it helps so much. especially as the seasons change in going from, you know, summer now into fall, all of a sudden you're going into boots. You need to rub this little bomb on your foot and it totally protects your shoes, totally protects your feet from getting blisters. It's amazing. Um, the Freshen spray that you mentioned is an antibacterial spray that is there to just sort of like kill the bacteria in shoes. Bacteria is what causes odor. Um, and when you consider that 
consider there's like a live bacteria in your shoe and that's why it smells. It's, you know, vile. So we created a all natural, environmentally friendly, made in California, which has the strictest EPA laws, everyone knows, um, actually bottled in a solar powered factory, um, packaged in a recycled plastic bottle um, that kills <laughs> bacteria and leaves your shoes smelling like baby powder. So whether it's your shoes, your son's shoes, you know, a kid's hockey bag, the back of your car, a mudroom, a gross purse, like <laughs> anything, um, I mean, your own like spin shoes or hiking boots or work heels or flats or sandals, like it really makes such a big difference. And it's so natural. You can spray it on any part of your part of your body, <laughs> which came out really strange We're at the same time. <laughs> When, whenever we've shown it to customers and to retailers, we spray it on our arms to show people how natural it is. Because when you think about other products that exist, which I won't name, a lot of them are highly chemically based and you would never dream of spraying it on your skin or you would never really want to. But to know that you can spray ours on your skin is pretty cool. And I have to attest to the fact that it literally solves the problem of hockey bags and lacrosse bags and sports bags, <laughs> whatever they may be. <laughs> Boys. Boys. <laughs> and girl, well, I have to admit the girls are just as bad. <laughs> I, I transport many girls and boys. It's equally horrific in the car. And this spray I keep in my car and spray them. I, I think I spray them head to toe before they get in the car. <laughs> and then onto the shoes and the bags. Yeah. It's a, and it's a really like um, pretty product. So on, like, you can keep it you know, on your dresser and it looks like a cosmetic or on a bathroom shelf. It's not like an under the cabinet kind of product. And that was by design. We looked at the existing universe of products and shoe care, especially for women, sort of a bummer of an industry right now. And when you walk into a, you know, a pharmacy to buy a product, you don't really want to be excited about, you're not excited about springing your shoe. There's sort of like a defeatist attitude about like, oh, it's come to this. Like, this is what I've got to be buying now. Um, but our products aren't like that. They're more like cosmetics. So a cosmetic that marries the functionality that we need. And what's so exciting is, again, that you took an idea, took it to fruition, and now expand upon that idea. So the yeah. sky's the limit. It's sort cool. of the message. And even the fresh and spray that, that you're referencing is not our first. We had one before it, and we didn't like it as much. And so we had to start over. Um, and like there's like that reality to any of this, too, is that like, with the design of the Soulmate High Healer, we were really lucky and we spent a lot of time getting the design right but for these other products there's a little bit of like we've got this website up let's see what works and know that not everything's going to work and that's okay because that's sort of the the beauty of having customers that are already coming to your site and all these products you can show them where and like the blister blocker it's cute and cool and it is like a home run product i mean nordstrom can't keep it in stock like it just it's awesome it requires no explanation it looks really cute you want to buy it just because you, you want to look at it but it also works really 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 well <laughs> now for those of uh, listeners out there who want to buy soulmates or yeah. in, in in all of the products that you offer how do they go about doing that um please visit our <laughs> website www.thesoulmates.com you can also and find us at nordstrom uh dsw david's bridal um, hundreds of mom and pop boutiques, zappos.com and amazon.com. So they could buy any of these products that way? Uh, yes. They're, most of the products are sold in all those retailers. And Monica and I have discussed this before, but um, I think one of the most fascinating um, things was going from, as you said, as, as females starting this company and how, hard, how difficult that may have been or could have been. Yeah. And can you explain a little bit about that? I mean, we, we've kind of looked at it um, 
two ways. So for every disadvantage we may have may have experienced as being women, we've probably benefited in some ways as well. Like we know we have. Um, and so I would never want to present myself as having been some sort of a victim that overcame great hurdles. Um, everyone overcomes hurdles. Everyone has challenges. Everyone faces different levels of discrimination. We certainly did. Um, the sexism when you're talking to injection molders and plastics manufacturers is high, but it's also partially because they're not used to speaking to 20 something year old, which I can say now girls, um, and being and treating them with a lot of respect. Um, it was not a reflection of who we were. It was a reflection of who they are. And so that's sort of an important distinction to make, um, an important thing to remember along the way. You know, the, the bad ways you're treated have, have nothing to do with you or what you may have done or not done. They didn't care where we went to college or what we had done or, you know, what our GMAT scores were. They, they just wanted to know if they were going to get paid for a product. And they looked at us as people that didn't have the necessary experience to be taken seriously. And I think that's a huge lesson to everyone out there thinking about starting something that you can't go into it thinking you're, you know, oh, I've been pushed into a corner and I've been, they're thinking of me this way. If you kind of go about it the way Monica just said, this is their issue and I'm going to show them that they're wrong. Yeah. And in a polite and a courteous way and a respectful way, but I'm going to show them that I'm not what they're expecting. Totally. And I think by the time we met our current manufacturer, and we've been working with the same manufacturing company the entire time, which is, I think, pretty unique, but we've had... Oh, oh, and Monica, wait, we're about to welcome our next guest tonight. Hold on one second. Patty? Is this Patty Whiffler? It will be. (laughs) Okay. Now it is, Kathleen. (laughs) Welcome, Patty. We're so thrilled to have you on the show tonight. And for those listening tonight to Morph Mom Moments on this very special night, at this very special time, here with this very special guest, Patty Whiffler, author of the new parenting book, Listen, Five Simple Tools to Meet Your Everyday Parenting Challenges. Also the founder of Hand in Hand. And beyond that, I can't even tell you how many accomplishments she's had beyond a keynote speaker and you name it, she's done it. And we're thrilled to have Patty on the show tonight. And I'm here with my co-host, Monica Ferguson, the co-founder of The Soulmates. And Patty, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi, Patty. Thank you so much, Kathleen. I'm really pleased to be with you. Oh, it's a thrill. It's an absolute thrill to have you here. Um, and for those of us listening tonight, Patty also is a morph mom, mother of two sons, if I'm correct. Correct, uh huh, and three grandchildren. And three grandchildren. Well, congratulations. Um, so, Patty, tell us a little bit about yourself <laughs> and how you ended up where you are today and um, authoring this book, but sort of founding Hand in Hand and everything that led to that. Sure. Well, um, I grew up in the oldest of uh, six children, and my mom was disabled for quite a number of years in my childhood. And we had one of our, my little sister was also very severely disabled. And so we we had many very hard things hit our family one after the other. It's kind of this little cascade of of very difficult things back in the days when there really wasn't the idea of supporting parents out there. And um, I, so I saw what parent tension could do to, you know, parents' ability to be kind and thoughtful with their children. And we, I, we had great parents, really great parents, but um, there was an awful lot of stress and so some, some abusive things that happened. And um, my brother, who caught most of that, had a very, very difficult life. So I was really, you know, I loved playing with kids and... 
um, always wanted to be with kids because that was where the fun was. And um, so in the process of having children myself, I thought, hey, I'm going to be a great mom. I've done all this babysitting. I've worked with kids my whole teen years. I I really love kids. I know how to play. I'm going to have a great time. And it turns out, you know, of course, that you hit the wall as a parent sooner than you think. And uh, all of the stress that parents are subject to happened to me, too. And Someone listened to me one day while I cried really hard about the fact that I was becoming harsh with my children the way my father had been harsh with us. And um, I was shocked and horrified, and I didn't know how to help myself because I'd tried, you know, breathing, and I'd tried, you know, reading books, and I was still being harsh. And I cried really hard for 15 minutes, and this woman listened to me. I didn't really even know her and went back to my kids feeling so much better and having so much more patience and i just thought wow i don't know what she did but whatever it is i need what i need more of that <laughs> so <laughs> i sort of you know trained and trained in how to listen and we we parents of young children started listening to one another and found that our parenting was nowhere near perfect but boy it was getting better you know the more we could listen to one another and have a good cry once a week or have a good laugh um the better things went, slowly but surely. So we decided to start a little school, which I directed, along with my good friend Sarah Smith. And um, over five years, we learned pretty much everything that's in the book called Listen. It's really how to how to be there for your child, how to connect with your child, how to let children offload the stresses that they're under with laughter and crying and tantrums and all the things that parents think we have to suppress um, if you move in and allow them to happen and support a child through a big emotional moment, um, you get a sweetly reasonable child at the end and behavioral difficulties begin to disappear. And it just was so powerful. I just thought, man, I, I just this is what I want to do with my life. You know, parents don't have to dominate their children, but we don't know that. We don't, you know, we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to relieve children of their upsets so they can you know, have more fun and be more cooperative and lead better lives. So, you know, one thing led to another, and here we are. <laughs> wow. How old were your sons at the at this time that you made this, you know, um, discovery? Yeah. At this time, they were six months old and two and a half. And my two-and-a-half-year-old was whomping on the six-month-old, and I was, you know, I was whomping on him. And, uh, you know, getting listened to once a week really turned things around. And I saw other parents making really good changes in their parenting just because I was listening to them and then they would turn around and listen to me and I was making really good changes in my parenting and the whole tone of our family changed. Um, I just, this was like what I was looking for and it's what my parents would have been looking for too had Mm -hmm. there been the opportunity to have some support like that. Just sort of an outlet to connect with someone in a similar situation that you were in at the time, I guess. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. Just another parent. It's like yeah. parents are so good. We try so hard. We want so much for our children. We expect so much of ourselves. And the and parenting is emotional work. And our society does not understand what it takes to do emotional work. Um, there are little there are little beginnings of understandings around you know caregivers of people who are disabled it's like people always tell you you know the caregiver needs to be getting support otherwise you'll burn out right. um, but there's not that understanding around parenting everybody thinks you should go off and do it all by yourself in your house and figure it out 
um, all alone, and uh, it's just not a good way to go and with emotional work like parenting. Where, yeah, there's that horrible feeling too when you've yelled and and they leave for school or they leave for somewhere and you think I overreacted what did I do and then you sit all day and you think oh my what have I done that was the wrong reaction now what do I do and there's there's no I don't know I think it's the most terrible feeling in the entire world and you sit there and you think what have I done but I think you're right to someone to bounce that off of and to work through it and figure out how to move on from that would be just so tremendously helpful um, you mentioned, yep. so, so lots th- of us, lots of, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Go on. I was just going to say, lots of us run up against, um, big feelings about the behaviors our children have. And oftentimes those big feelings are related to things that happened to us in our childhoods. And as our children, you know, uh, ha- make big messes on the floor or bonk one another on the head, you know, the old, the fact that your brother bonked you on the head, you know, five times a day for years and, and it, you know, the relationship did not go well because nobody knew how to set limits, you know, that comes in and you overreact to your child. And it's not so much about your child. It's about all the things that happened to you. Mm-hmm. And that's what we find over and over is the places where we get caught with our children um, and have big feelings about, you know, the crazy, nutty things that they do. Um, often it's related to hard stuff that happened to us that we just haven't finished working through yet. And when you have a chance to show what feelings you have left over from the hard times you had as a child, um, being with children becomes a whole lot simpler because there's an outlet for all those feelings. You get to heal from what happened to you, and you get to really think about what to do with your child separate from all the struggles of your own. It's almost like bringing your baggage into a situation, I guess, or your emotional baggage into some sort of a situation. And how you, do you pass that baggage along or do you sort of learn how to deal with it in that situation? Um, Mm -hmm. So I have a question to the title of your book, Listen, Five Simple Tools to Meet Your Everyday Parenting Challenges. Um, Would you sort of go through the five simple tools. And I think it's so beneficial to all of us just in general. And I would think not just even parenting, but just day-to-day humanity, like with, with one another, how listening in these tools are so essential to just day-to-day existence. Sure. Sure. Um, and they are, they're applicable to people of all ages. Um, but we are most interested in our children. So I figure, you know, let's, let's talk about parenting. Um, and the tools are, I'll name them first and then I'll give a brief description of each. So one is listening partnerships where parents get together and listen to one another. And I've talked about that a little bit. It changes everything about parenting to have someone that you talk to once a week who is a fellow parent who also cares about their kids and someone who will not tell you what to do, who will not try to advise you in any way. They'll just shine their warmth and shine their, you know, shine their um, respect at you while you talk about how it's going. Um, The next one is a parent-child listening tool, and we call it special time. And that's a connective tool. You tell your child, um, I'll... I'll do whatever you want to do. We have seven minutes before we have to hop in the car. And so you put a time limit on it, you time it, and then you offer 100% of your attention. You don't try to make your grocery list while you're doing special time. Um, And it lets children feel your caring. 
and it lets children show you what they love and who they are and what's bothering them. Um, the third one is called Play Listening. It's another connective tool, and you can do this with any number of children. And in general, it's just noticing what lets children laugh and promoting laughter. So getting in, playing with children when your child laughs, uh, not because you tickled them. Tickling is not a helpful way to promote laughter. Um, but taking the less powerful role is often a really great way. So, you know, you go, I've got a hundred hugs for you. I'm going to come and give them all to you right now, you wonderful child, you. You know, and then you chase your child all over the house for the next five minutes trying to get one hug in, and they get away, and they laugh, and they jump on the beds, and you can't catch them, and you, you basically play the bumbling, you know, the one that can't figure it all out. And they're the swift, the strong, and the brave. And this lets children laugh really hard and, and lets them feel very close to you. It's really a, a powerful tool. It also is a way that children can get rid of fears. And the next one is setting limits. Very, very important in any parent's life is just the ability to set limits um, with kindness but with firmness with children and then following the setting limits with what we call stay listening, which is allowing children to have those great big feelings that, that, you know, wind up, you know, getting stored inside that bother them and bother their behavior. Um, So when you've got a child who's off track and you bring a limit and you say, you know, I'm not going to let you do that to your brother, that hurts, and you bring your body in there so they can't do whatever that is to their brother that's hurting, and you make eye contact and you listen a child will have a tantrum, scream, cry, you know, throw themselves down on the ground, tell you you're a horrible person, tell you all about, you know, all of the bad things that have happened to them in the last three weeks, um, cry like crazy, and that's exactly what they need to do in order to stop hurting their brother. It's like they need to get all of that emotional gunk out, and they need to feel your caring there so that they can connect to you, and when they feel connected with you again, um, their little brother is just fine with them. You know, they can figure out how to play really nicely. So it, it's a it's kind of a self-correcting process. Children get hurt. They get disconnected. They don't get enough enough of time with you all the time that they want. They need to offload the disappointment and the feelings about that. And stay listening allows that process to happen. It's just like. It's like allowing coughing and sneezing in order to get over a cold. There's an infection there. There's something kind of wrong going on in the body. The body has a way of getting rid of the gunk and crying and tantrums and, you know, throwing yourself around and trembling and sweating. All of that is the way children get rid of fear and grief and uh, clean their pipes out so that they can think again and cooperate again and feel like they're part of the family. Patty, how as a parent... Those are the tools. does one determine for, you know, the particular child who has a lot of those outbreaks and a lot of those temper tantrums and a lot of those, you know, limits being broken and always having to be reset, um, how do they know Mm -hmm. when it's time to get extra help that, you know, their tactics aren't working? And maybe the son has or the child has um, a problem that they can't help. Okay. I mean, think that um, we... I think the first thing you want to do, really, as a parent, when there's a difficult pr- difficulty, is get some listening time yourself. It's like if you, when you're upset, when your brain is fried, the minute your child starts to do X, Y, or Z, because it's happened, you know, 
50 times in the last week and, and it's getting you really irritated. Um, when you can't think like that, you're reactive, uh, you cannot help your child. And you also can't think whether this is an ordinary problem or whether this is a severe problem. It's like, you know, really the first thing to do as a parent is to try to clear your ability to think. And that means offloading the fears that you have, the stress you're carrying, the frustration, the I don't like this kid anymore feelings. Um, the, I'm, you know, and, and the feelings get much more intense than I don't like this kid anymore, let me tell you. Yeah. <laughs> I've had plenty of those, you know, I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to X, Y, or Z to this kid. I'm going to do it now. You know, somebody's got to stop me. Um, we we need to handle our, our own emotional reactions before we can be any help to our ch- children or have any perspective on, you know, their behavior. Um, sometimes you can go to a trusted teacher or a nursery school, you know, director or, I don't know, someone outside the family and ask them, you know, does this seem severe? But... In any case, your child needs to feel connected with you. And so even if it's a problem that you need help with, getting emotional release for yourself, getting someone to listen to you, having a chance to have that huge blast that you want to aim at your child um, with somebody who's a grown-up and could handle it, uh, allows you to do better with your child even if they do need extra help. So special time is always the first tool you want to use. Um, Setting limits is another one. And sometimes you just need a little more help around the house. Um, A lot of parents of three and four children or even two children who have issues um, just need, you know, someone in two hours a day or um, Saturday and Sunday a little extra help so that they're not so pressed during the week. Um, Because when a parent can relax, children can begin to relax, too. So sometimes it's just, you know, it's like it's not fancy, expensive help you need. Sometimes you just need somebody to wash the dishes, clean the house, um, somebody to take the kids down to the park while you flop down on the bed and stare at the wall for two (laughs) hours and uh, try to, you know, (laughs) let your mind go fallow for a little while um, because you're tired and you need a break. And I would think especially with mothers, for working mothers, who are working five days a week, mm-hmm. and when they come home, like you said, not only have everything to deal with to make up and the, like to catch up, catch up with yeah. the house, but then on top of it to devote the time to the kids, it's just really hard. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And w- once again, it's like the, the work itself is, is doable but the, the collection of feelings we have about yeah. the things that don't go well becomes enormous within a day. Right, the and so some of some it. of the parents, yeah, getting listening time can really make a difference. And some of the parents that um, are teaching for us um, are in very difficult parenting situations, and um, they have kids with very special needs. You know, they've they you know have four jobs, not just one job. And what they do is they set up listening partners um, so that they have several, you know, 10-minute chances to offload their feelings every day so that this, it doesn't pile up over time. They, they can just kind of catch it as it flies wow. um, and go back to their child and, and be, you know, reasonable and set limits well and um, and really handle the the daily frustrations um, by offloading those frustrations when they need to. And and how do you go about finding 
How do you go about finding this network of support? So let's say, and I, I, I wish my kids are older now. If I had had that, just somebody to talk to, to say, you know, and, and not just let me tell you what the child has done, but I think I've screwed this up and that up. Like someone to, to, to explain that I think I've made a ton of mistakes today. Can you tell me I'm not a terrible person, what I've done? Because like you said, you get sort of caught up in everything that's happened. How do you find and then yeah. establish this network um, of connecting parents to reach out to? It's a really good question. And Hand in Hand is working to, you know, create something that will allow us to find people pretty pretty easily. Right now, the best way to find someone is to... Um, is is to get the help of hand in hand because um, it's just a you know it's a collection of parents. There are about two thousand parents on our online discussion group that's uh, hosted by Yahoo, and people are connecting up as listening partners there. We have a little booklet on how to do it. It's called you know building a listening partnership, um, and there's a chapter in the book called Listen Five Simple Tools on doing a listening partnership, which is a shorter, you know, version of how to do it, but short but adequate. So you can read a little bit about how to do it. Um, you can find someone um, in our online discussion group, or an even better way is to take one of our online classes um, from your living room at a time when your kids are asleep or, you know, someone else is taking care of them. We have online classes that you know, collect about five or six parents from all over the place, and you have a mentor, and we do listening groups in every class. So you get your questions answered, you try these tools, you come back with your stories, someone will kind of help you learn how to connect with your children in these particular ways, and you'll get, you know, you'll have a listening group so that you'll be hearing from other parents, getting to know other parents, and having parents listen to you in every class. And a lot of times parents can hit it off in those in those listening groups um, and find one another and continue to listen to one another and deepen their practice with one another. So those are some of the ways that is possible. Um, some parents can just read the book and they, they know the friend that they think would really listen to them well. Um, they get together, they try it out, and it, it, it can work that way. You can just go, oh, yeah, I know who would listen to me well. And, uh, you know, just start out on your own but it's often better to um to have a little guidance at first because our habits are not to listen our habits are to go oh they're there you know that's okay don't worry about it or to try to give advice you know oh my kid sucked her thumb and i know what to do about that here's (laughs) what i tried um rather than let somebody actually feel what it feels like and offload the feelings so that they can come up with their own best solution and i would think it helps to have a little help Another habit would be um, to not necessarily share as much because you're concerned of the reaction. To you know, not assuming you have That's this group right. out there, yeah. but to hide it. Yeah. Because yeah. in fear yeah. of maybe the judgment yeah. that they have of you as a parent, or or some sort of judgment. I don't know. But that's also you know this is so. It, it, it's so it gives such freedom. I think to both that you're you're available to listen, but you're also available to share exactly what's going on. And I want to mention that I, I previously said moms out there because as morph mom, that's what I'm thinking. But at the same time, there are fathers out there. There are anybody out there. I guess any caregiver out there who's involved in this yep. would need yep. this outlet for those who are out there to listen. Yep. 
Yep. Are there specific? Yep. We've had a, a few teenage girls who who are you know trying to parent their younger siblings in in a in a difficult family configuration, and they've called in and gotten listening time and are trying to figure out how to set up listening partnerships. It's really. You know, and anybody can use this. Anybody can. Is there ever specific advice that is given to fathers that's different than mothers? Or ways of listening? Or um, I think because men in our society, men and boys, are so threat are are threatened so thoroughly early in their lives when they show fear or show or have a tantrum or basically show any strong feeling so they have had to clamp down on their feelings for years and years and years and um what we stress with fathers is that it's not you know you just want to have a chance to be listened to with respect we're not trying to make you cry. Um, it doesn't, you know, crying doesn't work that way. Is to, you know, to try to push it. Um, nor does laughter. But just really listening with warmth and respect to another parent can make all the difference. And sometimes people offload feelings, and sometimes they just want to talk. Um, and either one is exactly the thing that you know you should be doing. Your mind will let you know, you know, when what you need to do as soon as someone pays respectful attention to you. Um, So, I don't know, just um, fathers are good and fathers are our primary parents. You know, there's no secondary parent thing about fathering, although our society has treated fathers as sort of breadwinners and secondary parents for years and years. Um, Just knowing that you are important for who you are, not for what you bring in. Um, is very, very important to communicate to fathers. Oh. You, what you want and what you need, all of that is important. And, and Patty, your book is out now. It's, and again, it's for those listening. It's Listen, Five Simple Tools to Meet Your Everyday Parenting Challenges. Patty, how can people get the book? Um, you can go to handinhandparenting.org. That's our nonprofit organization. And you'll find not only the book, but you'll find, you know, 100 free articles and you'll find um, podcasts and blog posts of parents who've had success, you know, handling all kinds of different problems using these simple tools. Um, And that's where our online classes are, too. So there's a host of resources for parents at handinhandparenting.org. But you can also go to Amazon.com. You can get the Kindle version from Amazon. and so you can go there. You can ask for it at your local booksellers, and they can get it. Um, any of those three ways are good ways to get the book. And, Patty, I can't believe we're, we are about to end, and I could have talked to you all night long. And, Monica, I can't thank you enough for being my co-host tonight, a co-founder of Soulmates. And Patty Whiffler with her new parenting book, Listen, Five Simple Tools to Meet Your Everyday Parenting Challenges. And, again, go to Hand in Hand. And you can find more about that there. And this will be up on a podcast in the next day, if I get my act together or so. (laughs) But on iTunes, under Morph Mom Moments, this will be up there as well. And I think, um, Patty, what I take away from this as a mother of three kids and this listen, if I just had somebody there to listen to me, things would have been so much better to understand and to empathize. Maybe a little bit of empathy would have been incredibly helpful along the way. 
but I can't thank you enough for tonight. Yeah. And um, everybody, go out there and get that book. And Morph Mom Moments, we're back on Thursday night, 7 o'clock, our normal time. Thank you all for listening tonight, and we'll see you then. Good night. Good night, Patty. Good night, Monica. Thank you both. Kathleen and Monica. Good night. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. This is Trent Armand Kendall and Richard E. Waits with the Broadway Download every Wednesday, 5 to 5.55 p.m., bridging the gap between Broadway and mainstream entertainment. Tune in for music, industry talk, and hot topics. Hello out there. This is a PSA for City World Radio Network. On Monday, we have at 6 o'clock, Keeping It Real with Jazzy Joy and Company. At 7 o'clock, we have AC Low Show or Bill Russo Show. At 8 o'clock, we have Johnny Mandolin, and he is the president of City World Radio Network. At 9, we have Janetta's Vendetta with Janetta, Pocket Trumpeter. At 10, we have Garage Mania with Robbie Russell and Nurse Cheryl. On Tuesday, we have DJ John Lombardi. At 8 o'clock, we have Inside New York, New York Tourism with Joe Moriello. At 10 o'clock, we have The Swingers Lifestyle with Jack and Jill. On Wednesday, we have 6 o'clock, Pearls of the Sea with Lisa and C. At 7 o'clock, we have Three Guys from Newark with Bob, Bob, and Paul. At 8 o'clock, we have Frankie Sticks Show with Frankie Sticks and Chick Chick Chat. At 9, we have Better Days, a positive approach to life with Lynn McNamara. That's on the last Wednesday of each month. At 11 o'clock, we have Down for the Team with Jonah Legacy and his friends. On Thursday, we have Live with the Skies with Sky and Jade. 6 o'clock, we have Live with Roxanne and American Journey. 7, we have Morph Moms with Kathleen Butler-Smith. At 8 o'clock, we have Salon Radio and the International Women's Artist Salon. At 9 o'clock, we have Mia's World with Mia Berman. On Friday at 7 o'clock, we have a class act just stepping back with John B. We have many shows and many spots open for new shows. If you would like to be on the City World Radio Network, please email us at cityworldradio at aol.com. And that's cityworldradio at aol.com. Thank you. Peace.